All right, praise God. First John is where we are today. First John chapter 2. Actually, we are going to... Um, I was going to go through verse 11 today, but we're not going to go through verse 11 today. We're going to go through verse 6. So we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2. We're going to go through verses 3 through 6, because I think that's all we can reasonably get through today. So, So we've learned so far as followers of Christ that we're to walk in the light as he is in the light. Specifically, John is writing and he says, I write these things that your joy may be full. So walking in the light as he is in the light means that we walk in his fullness of joy. It also means we walk not in sin. He said, I... Write these things to you that you may not sin. So walking in the light as he is in the light means that we are not walking in sin. We walk in obedience knowing that we know him. We're to walk as Christ walked in joy and holiness and in obedience. So our message today, we're going to look at what it means to know that we know him. Very simply, we know that we know him if we obey him. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, going through verse 6. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly, the love of God is perfected in him. And by this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Sub word of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this good news. That, Lord, you have inspired these words. And these words have been written and recorded and preserved for us that our joy can be full, that we can walk through this world and choose not to sin. That, Lord, in our obedience to you, you give us the assurance of knowing you. Father, I ask that you would, by your Spirit today, work in us and take your word and let it renew our minds and mold us and shape us and conform us to the very image of Christ that we would be your people giving witness to your glory in this world. Father, for this and for all things, we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, amen. Obedience is the key that unlocks much blessing in Christ. Now, I want to be clear. To be clear, we have no obedience to give God apart from his grace that is given to us. So you don't get God's grace through your obedience. God gives you grace freely. You don't earn his grace. He freely gives his grace. And everyone on planet earth, whether they belong to Jesus or not, are living under the benefits of his grace. Yesterday when we were downtown for the, for the pride event, 
and we gave witness to Jesus. We were all breathing oxygen. We were all enjoying the sunshine. Well, well, that's a subjective enjoyment because it was very hot. But we were all breathing the air. We all had the wind blowing. We had the sun shining. It was a beautiful day. That's the grace of God. The water, the food, the things that we benefit from, that we take for granted every day, every heartbeat that we have, every breath that we take is a gift from God. It's His grace, His common grace shed abroad. It rains on the just and the unjust. That's the grace of God. So all of God's creation, every human being is a partaker, a benefactor of God's grace. But not every human being is a benefactor of God's saving grace. And we are saved by his grace. We are not saved because we earn it. We are not saved because of our obedience. God doesn't look down and say, well, now you're obedient enough. I will now save you because you've now earned my salvation. That's not how we are saved. I want to be clear on this as we talk about obedience today. Our obedience to God is only possible by the obedience of Christ in the cross. Our salvation in Christ results in our obedience to God. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It is the gift of God. Remember this as we talk about obedience to God. His grace saved us so that we would obey him. Obedience is the fruit of our salvation in Christ. So our obedience is a result of our salvation. When we talk about obedience, it's tempting for us to think that we're working to merit God's favor, to earn our salvation, and that is not how we are saved. It is by His grace. Now that you understand that, let's talk about the importance of obedience because there is great blessing that obedience unlocks for us. Verse 3, now by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So obedience gives us the assurance that we know him. We know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. The word keep here gives the sense of continuing to obey his commandments. Obedience to God is a lifestyle. It's not one thing we do. It's the practice of our daily living. We have the assurance of knowing that we know him when we continue to obey him, when we keep on keeping his commandments and his word. We don't get saved and then lose our salvation and then get saved again and then lose. That's not how it works. Just like when our children are born, they're born and they're our children. They don't make mistakes and then they stop being our children and they go away and then they have to be born again And then let's try this again. Life gives us the picture to understand our salvation. When our children are born, they're born and they have to grow up. 
And growing up is a process, and it is filled with failure, right? We think about walking. Children's journey from laying on their back, not being able to turn over, to being able to walk is a journey filled with failure. How many times did you fall down learning to walk? But you learned to walk because you kept getting up. And this is, this is the same with our spiritual growth and maturity in Christ. So I want to make sure you hear what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying. So we have this assurance of knowing that we know him when we continue to obey him. We know that we know him, John writes, when we keep his commandments. Verse 4, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Saying that we know him and not keeping his commandments makes us a liar. This is what John writes, and he says the truth is not in us. There are many who profess to know Christ who are not keeping his commandments. This is prevalent in our current culture, inside and outside the church. We met many people yesterday. In fact, most of them that I encountered, save one which, and one guy who didn't believe anything was real that I heard Caleb talking to, everybody that, that, that I talked to, I wasn't out there very long, but the few that I did and the conversations I heard, many people professed to be Christians, while at the same time supporting a lifestyle that the Bible teaches is sin. So how can I profess to be a Christian and also profess that my sin is okay with God? Now, there's a difference between someone who professes to be a Christian and struggles with their sin and fails to resist temptation and they fall into sin and they're convicted of that sin and they go to God, they repent and they confess and God forgives them and they get back up and they keep walking in obedience. That is very different than someone who says, I'm a Christian but I'm also openly homosexual, and there is nothing wrong with my homosexual lifestyle. God absolutely approves of it. In fact, you're the one that's going to go to hell because you think I'm a sinner, and you're out here telling me so. I think it was the 80-year-old woman that told Caleb that she wants him to go to hell. <laughs> I, I mean, it's... If it were not so sad, it would be comical. But it's not. It's very sad. So you realize that just because people, and this is John's point. John is writing to the church, and there were lots of people saying they were Christian, but they didn't believe Jesus really came. They didn't believe Jesus really lived in the flesh. They didn't believe he died in the flesh. They didn't believe he was resurrected in the flesh. They believed they could live pretty much any kind of lifestyle in the flesh because the flesh didn't matter. And John is writing and saying, just because someone professes to be a Christian does not make them a Christian. If they are truly Christians, their lifestyle will, will bear it out. And their lifestyle will bear it out because God, by his grace, in his grace, has saved them. 
And if Christ is in them and the Holy Spirit is in them, that's going to come out of our life. It's kind of like yesterday when those people that were there were expecting us to come out there with signs and yelling insults and yelling hate and condemning them. And when, when, when we went out there with love and actually engaged them with reasonable conversation and were able to interact and there was no hate, there was no yelling, there was no screaming. In fact, they were the ones that were actually reacting in hateful ways. They actually were the ones trying to provoke us to anger because they wanted, whether they understood this or not, there was a level of disappointment that we did not give them what they were looking for because we would have justified everything they say about Christ or about Christians. And so this is John's point here, is that it's not just what we say, it's how we live our life. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. It's not only our words that matter, it's also our actions. Our lifestyle matters in word and deed. The words and the actions that we demonstrate, that is the demonstration of our faith through obedience. So our obedience to God is the demonstration of our faith. Or as James says, you tell me about your faith, but I'm going to show you my faith by my works. So if we do indeed know him, if the truth is in us, we will keep his commandments, John says. So obedience gives us the assurance that we are in him. Verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. So we can know that we know him, and we can know that we are in him, that we are in Christ. And John is linking our obedience here to the love of God, as well as the assurance that we are in him, that we are in Christ. Now, it's worth noting here that in verse 3 and verse 4, John writes of keeping his commandments. When we come here to verse 5, John writes about keeping his word. And I believe the change in wording is to be noted here. The use of these two different words gives us a greater depth of understanding concerning our obedience to Christ. We're to be a people who seek to keep God's commandments. I pointed out to the children today, the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. Five, that's number five of ten commandments. A lot of people focus on the ten commandments, and, and, and we, should. we should. We should know the ten commandments. We should strive to keep the ten commandments. Um, but there are much more than ten commandments uh, when Jesus walked the earth and the Pharisees were around, they had established uh, over 600 commandments, rules and regulations that they enforced upon people. There were lots of commandments that were to be kept. So we should be a people who seek to keep God's commandments as well as 
the whole counsel of God's word. For example, the Pharisees sought to keep God's commandments, and they did very well. Jesus even commended them. He said, you, you do indeed tithe down to the very number of mint leaves in your herb garden, but you failed to, to keep the weightier matters. You should do that. You should tithe down to the mint leaves in your herb garden, but you should also remember justice and mercy. Don't, don't just keep those. Keep all of God's word. And this is what we see. The Pharisees sought to keep God's commandment as revealed in the law, but it is clear they did not keep God's word. The rejection of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, is, is the clear picture of this. Jesus said, you search the word, the scripture for life, but here I am and you can't see me. So they were all about keeping God's commandments, but they did not keep God's word. Otherwise, they would never have rejected Jesus, and they would have never called for his death. In his word, we find his commandments. This is true. But his word reveals much more than only his commandments. More than all the separate commandments and points of the law, his word is the revelation of himself. His word, the scripture, is the revelation of the whole counsel of God revealed to us in Jesus Christ. His word reveals more than his commandments. In all the scripture, we see the word that was in the beginning, the word that was with God, the word that was God. In his word, we see the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. Christ is written on every page of the scripture. Christ is revealed to us on every page of the scripture. And the purpose of the Bible, if I can simplify it to this degree, is to reveal Christ to us. The promise is to whoever keeps his word. The use of his commandment and then his word is with purpose, I believe. In verse 5, John links our obedience to the whole counsel of his word and the love of God. Our assurance comes from more than our obedience. Our assurance is rooted in the love of God. His love is revealed to us through the scripture, which points us to Jesus. In Christ, God's love is eternally revealed to us through the word made flesh. His love continues to be revealed today through his body present in this world, who is his church. This is why we went out yesterday. They may have thought we were hating, but in reality, we were keeping his word, and we were showing them the love of Christ because we do not want them to perish, because we do not want them to suffer God's wrath. We want them to be saved from it. But if no one will bother to tell them about their sin, if no one will bother to point them to Jesus, the truth, if no one will bother to tell them the only way you can know that you know him, the only way that you can know that you are in him is to keep his commandments, to keep his word, and you can't say you know Jesus and reject his word, which is what that lifestyle does, which is what our lifestyle of sin does. This is what God saved us from. 
We were all sinners until God saved us. Our lifestyle condemned us. Our lifestyle was sinful. It doesn't matter whether you were straight or whether you were homosexual. It doesn't matter what your particular sin was. Our life was contrary, was in rebellion to God. And we could say we're Christian all day long, but our life proved differently. And now that we are in Christ, our life must show that and demonstrate that so that the world can see a difference. Our assurance comes from God's love, from His grace poured out into us. It's not law that saves us. It is love. His love poured out in His grace. The love of God first given to us and then made manifest through us is the mark of knowing that we are in Him. To keep His word is not only to obey His commandments, it is to embrace the whole counsel of God that is revealed to us in the whole of His word. To embrace the whole counsel of God in the Scripture is to embrace Jesus and to obey Him. It is amazing how many people quote the Bible or say what the Bible says or tells you what the Bible means, but you realize very quickly that they've never actually read the Bible. And there are a lot of people who profess to know Jesus who know about the Bible, but they actually don't know God's Word. And we know this because they make statements that are patently untrue. They're nowhere to be found in the Bible. And the only way they're going to know is that someone bothers to tell them the truth, to speak the truth in love. This is what Jesus has commanded us to do, to go and to make disciples. And the point of even being out there yesterday was that God would open opportunities for for us to have continuing dialogue with those who are willing to, to hear the truth, talk about the truth. This is what making disciples is about. And this is how we take people who think they know the truth or who reject the truth, and we can speak the truth. And as we speak the truth of God's word, of his gospel, it is the power of the gospel that can break through their hearts. It's not our persuasiveness It's not how well we can speak. It is speaking God's word, God's truth, God's gospel to them. That's the power. And when we speak God's word, when we declare God's gospel, whether it's in a public setting or whether it's a one-on-one setting, we are not trusting in our ability to talk someone into believing. We're trusting in the power of God to break through the darkness and the hardness of their heart. Because that's what happened to you and that's what happened to me. Someone didn't talk me into believing into Jesus. It was the power of God. It was the grace of God that broke through the hardness of my heart. Trust the gospel. Trust the power of God. Trust the power of God to salvation. Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this we know that we are in him. Obedience to his word reveals the love of God perfected in us. 
To keep his word is to fully embrace Christ as the only Savior and Lord. It is to walk in the light as he is in the light. The love of God is the motivation for our obedience. Fear can only carry you so far. If you engage people very much, you will realize that there is a world of people out there who have no fear of God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But it's not our fear of God that is our chief motivator. It is the love of God that should motivate our obedience. The grace of God is, if if people understand the grace of God God properly, it's not going to motivate them to live sinful lives, as some of my pastor friends I know fear. If you actually understand the grace of God correctly, it is going to motivate you out of love to, to walk in obedience to him. Because you realize before his grace saved you, you could not do anything but walk in disobedience. I'm not talking about how moralistic your life is, how good of a person you are, how nice you are. I'm saying as far as God is concerned, until grace saves us, we are separated from him, we are darkness, and we have no hope, and we are hopelessly separated from God, walking in sinfulness, walking in death and darkness until God, in his grace, saves us. And when he saves us, he sets us free from the darkness. He sets us free from the dominion of sin. And now, in his grace, we actually can walk in obedience to him. And this is what John is writing. Obedience to his word reveals the love of God that's been perfected in us. The love of God perfected in us must be understood as God's love for us. That we may now give back to him. We love him because he loves us. Or as John writes, and we're going to see this later on as we go through this letter. But let me just quote it for you now. 1 John 4.19. John writes, we love him because... He first loved us. The love of God refers to God's love for us, poured into our hearts by his grace. This is the love that is coming from God to man. This is the love we give back to God. John uses the phrase love of God to speak of the love from God to man, but he also uses it in the context of man's love for God. When we consider the love of God in John's writing, we are to understand it both ways. John uses the word truly in this verse to show the certainty of what he's writing here. Truly, the love of God is perfected in the one who keeps God's word. We are, we are able to keep God's word because God first loved us. What does it mean for the love of God to be perfected? The word translated perfected here is a word that means to make complete, to cause to be truly, completely, genuinely perfect, complete, genuine. To make perfect or complete in a moral sense. This is how God sees us. In Christ, God sees us complete perfect, genuinely holy, genuinely righteous. Not because we are, but because Christ is. God in his love for us has caused us to be perfected in him. 
The love of God poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit makes us genuinely complete and perfected in Christ. Again, jumping ahead, let me read that. I read to you verse 19. Let me read it in the context of verse 17, 18, and 19. 1 John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, that's speaking of Christ, as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I want you to understand that God is not up in heaven waiting for your love for him to become perfect. What John is writing is this. If we would understand the perfect and complete love that God has for us in Christ, we have boldness, we have confidence in the day of judgment because when we stand in judgment before the Father, he will see us just as Christ is. That is the grace of God. That is the love that is perfected in it. That is the perfect love that cast away all fear. God in his love for us makes us perfect and complete in him. Our perfection or our completeness is made manifest in our ever-growing love and obedience in him. From this love for us, we are loving him. As we are loving him, we are obeying him. Our love for him is most clearly demonstrated in our obedience to him. If his love is truly in us, we will obey him and keep his word. This is very simply what John is writing here. If you are truly in Christ, then your, your life will manifest it. His love will be seen through your life. And John says one of the chief ways that his love is manifest in our life is through our obedience. When we keep his commandments, we can know that we know him. When we keep his word, we know that the love of God is perfected in us and we are in him. Verse 6, to abide in him is to walk just as he walked. Verse 6, John writes, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. In these words, John is restating and reemphasizing what he's already written. 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, or we could say it like this, if we say that we walk with him but we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Profession, when we profess to know him, profession involves obligation. To abide in Christ is to be walking just as he walked. We must ask ourselves the question, what does it mean to walk as Christ walked. For many in our culture and in the church today, that means walking in love, and I would wholeheartedly agree with that. The disagreement 
comes in the definition of love and what that looks like when we walk out this love that is equated with the love of God. So the slogan that we hear that's very popular today is love is love. We heard it all day yesterday. You've heard it a lot this month because it's Gay Pride Month. Love is love. This is their battle cry. Love is love. It doesn't matter who we love. Love is love. In actuality, the scripture teaches us that God is love. The, The scripture is very clear on not just what love is, but who love is. And I submit to you, until we know the who of love, we'll never understand the what of love. 1 John 4, 8, John writes, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 1 John 4, 16, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Yesterday, those people did not want to see us. They did not want to hear because they thought it was unloving. Any one of us that have ever been a parent and had a child who injured themselves, or let's just say they've got a big thorn stuck in their foot and it's really painful, and you're holding this child down in an effort to get this thorn out of their foot, and they're kicking, and they're screaming, and they're crying. In that moment, that child does not believe that you love him or her. But you are enduring that rebellion, that kicking back, and that kicking against Because you actually do love that child. And you know that if I don't remove this thing that is destructive, that's harming, if I let that stay there and fester and create an infection and kill you, that's not love. So I'm willing to endure some kickback, some pushback, some crying, some screaming, and and thinking that I actually don't love you because I actually do love you. And when we're tempted to be fearful to engage people, whether it's friends or family, strangers or people we have intimate relationships with, when we're fearful to engage them because we're afraid they're going to think that we don't love them, you need to ask yourself this question. Does love mean we don't speak the truth to people just because we're worried about offense? That's not how we treat our children. And if we love people the way we're commanded by Christ to love them, then we will endure the pushback. We will endure the hate coming from them toward us because we know what love truly is. They only think they know what love is, but if they do not know the God who is love, they cannot know true love. But if we know this God if we know Jesus, if we know that we know him, if we know that we are in him, then we can endure that because we know what true love is and we know what true love demands. To clarify what the love of God is, we can look at the words of Jesus, very simple words, very short words. John fourteen fifteen. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Where do we find those things that Jesus commanded? We find it in the whole of his word. There's not just ten things he commanded. There's a whole book full of things, but he boils it down to this. 
We're going to talk about this next week when we talk about the new commandment. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. Or Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment, teacher? And he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Listen to John's inspired revelation concerning the word. Gospel of John chapter 1. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That's what we encountered yesterday. The darkness that does not comprehend the light. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. If we are to walk as Jesus walked, we are to keep his word just as Jesus did. We cannot keep his word in ourself. We keep his word in Christ as we seek to walk as he walked, as we strive to walk as he walked. When we fail to keep his word and we sin, and we very often do, we have already learned through our study in 1 John that we have an advocate with the Father. We may go to him and confess our sin and he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1.9. God does not give us the promise so that we may continue in sin. God gives us that promise so that we may continue to walk in obedience. If we love him, we will keep his commandments. If we keep his word, the love of God is perfected in us. And we can know that we are in him. And if we abide in him, we also ought to walk just as he walked. Jesus walked in obedience to the Father, so must we also. That means we are to be seeking to know him and striving to keep his word. We do not do this to gain salvation. We do this because he has given us salvation by his grace. And our obedience is the proof of his glorious gift in our life. Sin leads to death. Obedience is better than sacrifice, Samuel told Saul. And obedience leads to great blessing in Christ. Christ saved us by his grace so that in his grace we would walk just as he walked. It is that saving grace and continuing grace to obedience that we thank God for each week we come to his table. Jesus gave up his body. Jesus poured out his blood so that we would be saved in him and walk just as he walked in this world. That is the love of God. That is who we are to be. That is what we are to be in this world. So that there is a clear difference between God's true love and the love as defined by the world. The love that says there's no problem with sin. 
And the enemy and his deception leading people to, a, to destruction down a path paved with these things that seem right. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but it's in thereof is death. True love, God's love, points the difference. As we come to the table today, we come knowing that Jesus is that difference. And it was the love of God that took Jesus to the cross. It was for love that he endured the suffering and the shame. It was for us whom he loved that was set before him that he kept his eyes on as he endured the cross. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross every day and follow me. As we bear the burden of his cross, and sometimes it's a heavy, it's a hard burden, it's an unpleasant burden. Crosses usually are, right? We bear that knowing it is the love of God that motivates us. We keep our eyes on him, and it is love that empowers us in his grace. Faith working by love. Thanks be to God for his incredible gift given to us in Jesus. Let's all stand. In your charge today, we are commanded to keep his word. That means we are to keep all things in his word that he has commanded us to keep. And the only way we can rightly know that and rightly understand that and rightly divide that is to take the whole counsel of God, the whole word of God. We must know what his word actually says. It is not complicated, but it does take effort. Many people do not feel they must put forth. In Hosea 4.6, Hosea writes, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being priest for me. God calls us a nation of kings and priests. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. God makes a promise to those who love him, those who keep his commandments, and that promise is to thousands of generations. God will not forget you. God will not forget your children. We are seeing this manifested, this lack of knowledge, the people of God being destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. We're seeing this manifested in the church and in our nation right now. Many professing Christians are approving of sin and refusing to stand for righteousness. But the good news is many are not. The cry, love is love, is a lie. Love is not love, God is love. And we are a people commanded by God to declare that truth to stand in that truth and to give witness to that truth. God is love and we are called to obey him and his word. And if he has given you grace to salvation, he has also given you grace to obey. Seek it and ask him to give you more grace each day so that, he, so that we will be a people who walk just as he walked. John and Peter both write this. If we'll humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, he will give more grace to the humble. And that more grace is given so that we may walk just as he walked. Amen?